This morning we're looking in the last chapter of the book of Matthew. Started this the first Sunday in February of 2021 when I came here to be your interim pastor. Started in chapter 16 of the book of Matthew. And we've continued on. I, I had no idea that God was leading in this direction, but He's done that. And we talked about Jesus building His church. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, is what Jesus said. This passage of Scripture today, Jesus brings to a close what He is purpose is for the church. And he gives the church the commission. We call this the Great Commission. And sends us into all the world. Shortly after this, Jesus descended or ascended into heaven. But he's coming back one day. And I don't think that's going to be very far away. I see things happening today that is fulfilling scriptures. And I believe the Lord is getting ready to get up off of his throne and come back and put this world in order. But if you'd turn to Matthew chapter 28 today and stand with us out of reverence to the Word of God, if you're able to do so. Chapter 28, beginning in verse 16 and reading down through verse 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, we pray today that your word might do its job in each of our lives. That, Lord, that you would pierce our hearts with the truth. Help us, Lord, to be willing to follow that truth, to be willing to just carry out what you've told us to do in your world today. Father, we pray if there's one among us today who is not saved, that this will be that wonderful time that your Holy Spirit will convict their heart of their lost condition and that they would surrender to you today and trust you as their Lord and their Savior. We pray for others, Lord, who may be here who have been saved but have not yet followed you in baptism. And Lord, we pray that you would remind them of that. And Father, we pray that we who are saved, that we'll get, get to work for you and do the things that you have told us to do in and through your word. Now, Father, we pray that you'll get all glory, all honor, and all praise, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you, and be seated, please. As I studied this passage of Scripture this week, the Lord reminded me of a message that he gave me back in 2000. And I preached this message at Pump Springs Baptist Church 
in Harrogate, Tennessee on the day that I was called to be the Director of Missions of Cumberland Gap Baptist Association. And it was a challenge to the association. And God blessed that challenge and God used it in many ways the 11 years that I was there. We saw that association do things that they never thought possible because they were following the Lord. And I want to just share with you a message today, and we're just going to entitle it, Going and Growing. Going and Growing. And we'll follow the principles of sowing and reaping. Now, I've been working in my garden some this week. Our sun plowed it up a few weeks ago, and then it began raining and all like that. And But this week was dry enough for me to get my garden tiller out and go down there and till the garden up once again and even planted some things. And I'm expecting a harvest because I've planted some things. Now I could have just let the garden lay there and it would have produced a bunch of weeds. But since I want vegetables, then I planted vegetables. And it's the same way in our Christian life. If we don't go and we don't plant, we don't sow, then we don't reap. That's just a law of the harvest. If you don't sow, you don't reap. But let's look at this passage of Scripture today. Notice where it takes place. It says, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. Now the last time we saw them, they were in Jerusalem. But they've made their way back to where home base is for most of them in Galilee. They were there in a mountain, on a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. We do not know which mountain it was. There's a few mountains in the Galilee area and it could have been any of them. That really doesn't matter. But it says when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, some worshiped him. Isn't that wonderful? Some worshipped him, but there were some that doubted. We don't know all of the people that doubted, but we know at least one, and his name was Thomas, and we still call him Doubting Thomas today. Thomas said, I I won't believe he's risen from the dead until I can put my finger in the nail prints in his hand and thrust my hand into his side. And Jesus appeared to him and invited him to do just that. But there's always been people who doubted the Lord. There's always been those who are out on the fringe area and never really getting involved in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They like to coast along and get the benefits of what God is doing, but never putting in very much work to help see it grow. Jesus began to speak to them. And He said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, how much power is given to Jesus? All power. All authority. The word power there is the word authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. My way of thinking, there's only one other place, and that's hell. Jesus didn't claim any authority in hell. That's Satan's dominion. But all power 
is given unto me and in heaven and in earth. And then he tells the, the group of people, that little group of uh, 11 people gathered out there that day, he commissions them, he sends them, and he's been doing that in the church ever since. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. There is a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 that goes along with this, as Jesus said this to his disciples just before he ascended into heaven. Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus laid out his plan there how the gospel was to spread. And you read the book of, Matthew, or the book of Acts and you'll find the, the spreading process begins. It started there in Jerusalem where they were gathered. And it continued to grow and reach out and persecution came and the church was scattered and went into all the world. And it's still going. And this, this command that Jesus gives us here, this commission that Jesus offered unto us, that it's still in effect today that you and I are to be going. And when we go, then we grow. If we fail to go, we'll fail to grow. And I, I want you to get that in your mind today. It happens in every church. It happens in every Christian's life. If we go, we will grow. But if we don't go, we don't grow. Where are we to, how are we to go? Well, Jesus gave us the power. Did you get that? You shall receive power when? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. When does the Holy Ghost come upon us? When we trust Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, He comes to live in our life by the means of the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible is pretty plain on that over in the book of Romans chapter 8. It says, if you have not the Spirit, you're none of His. If you're not a, a Holy Ghost Spirit-filled person, you don't belong to Jesus. I'll tell you that according to the Word of God. You say, well, the Holy Spirit's never dwelt in me. Well, come and get saved. Come and invite Him in. He'll do the filling. He'll do the dwelling in you. But we're to go empowered by the Spirit of God. There's not a power on this earth that is greater than the Spirit of God. And He will come to live in your life and He will empower you. He'll help you to say things that you think you couldn't say. He'll help you to do things you'll think you couldn't do. But God can use you. Well, where are we to go? In studying the scriptures, I, I found some good indications of where we're to go. I thought back to that old man, we call him Legion, over in the book of Mark chapter 5, where he came down there to Jesus one day, and he was so demon-possessed. 
Jesus rebuked the demons that was in him and sent them out and they went into a herd of swine and the Bible says that 2,000 head of hogs run down into the sea and were drowned. That man had that many demons in him that it affected 2,000 head of hogs. And he wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to go with Jesus. But you know what Jesus told him? The Bible says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. This man, we don't even know his name. We just call him Legion because he had a legions of demons in him. God began to use that man. He went back home. He went to his family. He went to his friends. There was 10 cities around the bottom of the lake of Sea of Galilee there. And it was called Decapolis. Deca means 10. Apolis means cities. 10 cities. He went into those 10 towns. I imagine there was people that were scared of him that when they had seen him when he was demon-possessed, they'd say, don't you get close to that fellow. But here he goes telling them about what Jesus has done for him. He went from house to house and from door to door telling people about Jesus Christ. And people marveled. They were so shocked. They were so moved by what God had done in that man's life. And I want to tell you something. If you're saved by the grace of God, you've got a story to tell too. You've got an experience with the Lord that is none, not like anybody else's. Yours is unique and mine is unique and the Lord is a unique person and He comes and dwells in us and He gives us all that opportunity. He gives us all that witness to share with somebody else. So go to our family and to our friends. What about your fellow workers down on the job where you work or in school where you go? Are there any people there that need Jesus? Are there any people there that don't know who Jesus is and they'd love to hear about him from you? I'm sure there are. There's uh, the way things are going right now. I believe there's more lost people here than there are saved people. I think we as Christians are getting to be in the minority. A few years ago, we were considered to be the majority in this world, but not anymore. Why? Because we've quit going. Because we've quit growing. It's just that simple. He went out to the country there. He went into Samaria. And the gospel went into Samaria. Remember, God told Philip one day to go down into Samaria and preach the gospel there. Now, Samaria is that place where Jesus met the woman at the well. I don't know if you've ever tied that together or not. But that woman that Jesus met at the well that day, the Bible said that she had had five husbands and the man she was then dwelling with was not her husband. But when Jesus talked to her and she went excitedly back into town and she told the men, not the women, she told the men, come see a man 
that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And they came out to see Jesus, and they met Jesus there that day. And many of them trusted Him as their Lord and their Savior. But the gospel hadn't really gone there yet. Because Jesus hadn't died yet, Jesus hadn't arisen yet, but He did die. And he did arise from the dead. And now he's told them to go into Samaria. Philip, one of those early deacons in the church, took the challenge from God and went down into Samaria. And he began to preach there. And souls were saved. People came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We can go out in our country today. Right here in Etowah. There's lots and lots and lots of lost people. We get a, a list of people that are moving in here from other parts of the country. And we're trying to contact them, but we need help. There's people coming in here, and there's people that's lived here all their life that don't know Jesus. Are we going to contact them? I remember one church that I pastored. We decided we'd buy a church bus, a church van. And we'd start picking up kids and bringing them to church. Started in the church building the next Sunday morning. and A man met me. And he said, now preacher, I want to tell you something said, I guess running the church van's all right. But if you start going out into these other towns and picking up people, says, you're going to find that I've got a problem with that. And I said, well, let me ask you one question, brother. He said, okay, what is it? I said, is these other towns out here in the world? Uh, yeah. And I said, well, didn't Jesus tell us to go into all the world? <laughs> yeah, I guess he did. That was settled, you see. <laughs> but you see, we get this mindset that if somebody lives more than two or three miles from the church, we don't have to worry about trying to reach them for Jesus. Man, when Jesus said go into all the world, he wasn't kidding he means for us to go into all the world. We start where we're at and begin to work our way out. What are we to do when we go? Well, verses 19 and 20 there says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The word teach there means to make disciples of all nations. What are we supposed to do then? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. When we teach people about Jesus Christ, we point them to Jesus and they trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior, then the next thing that is to happen is a baptismal service needs to take place. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Somebody says you make disciples, you mark disciples, and you mature disciples. And that's true. You make a disciple, we call that being born again. That they're just like a, a newborn baby. That they just come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Somebody says, what do you feed a baby? A steak? No, you feed them milk. You put them on the milk of the Word of God. The simple things. You try to teach them in those things. Make disciples and baptize disciples. And then he says, teaching them to observe all these things. It's a growing process. We sow, we reap, and we keep when we do those three things. Now, what happens when we go? What happens when we get outside the church walls? What happens when we take the challenge that Jesus has given us to go out into the world? When you go down on your job tomorrow, when you go uh, to your friend's house sometime this week, or when you visit your, your family or your neighbors, or even meet someone strange in the grocery store. And God prompts your heart to say something to them about Jesus. And you obey. And much to your surprise, they're interested. And you continue to share with them about Jesus and they get saved. Bring them to church with you. If they want to go to some other church, let them go to some other church. But bring them. Teach them. Stay their friend. Continue to tell them about Jesus. Continue to help them grow. There's two different kinds of growth. There's intangible growth. The Bible talks about growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You see, when a person trusts Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, and they begin to grow in grace, and they begin to grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that gives glory to God. God does that. And God gets the glory out of it. They begin to grow. They begin by growing in the Word of God. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. I've already mentioned that. You don't give a baby a steak. It would choke on it. But you give it milk. Our little great-granddaughter, she's growing. Not, not like her grandma would like to see her grow, but she's growing. And you see, it's because she's eating milk. Her mother's milk and some formula and those kind of things. That's what you give babies. And a newborn Christian, they don't need to get into the prophecy and all of those kind of things in the Scripture. They need to know what's happened to them and what Jesus is doing in their life and what God expects out of them. 
God doesn't expect you to become a full-grown Christian overnight. It's a lifetime thing. What is this grace that we talk about? Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit or the graces of the Spirit, what the Spirit of God produces in our life. The first thing that it talks about is love. Love. Love for each other. Love for Jesus. Love for our mankind out here in this world. It talks about joy. It talks about peace. It talks about long-suffering or gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness. Those are the graces that God expects us to grow in. And you say, well, I don't seem to have much love in my life. Maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord. I don't have much love in my life. Maybe you don't have that relationship with the Lord. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to help you. These are the fruits of the Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. And this extends through the knowledge of God. For, or 2 Peter 1, 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied. You see, when we put into action the things that God is teaching us and training us in, it begins to extend. It begins to grow. It begins to prosper. And it multiplies. Now, I planted some beans and corn this week and some okra. And I was just thinking the other day, I was eating an ear of corn from last year. And I didn't count how many grains was on that cob. But I just got to thinking, you know, that if I had kept that ear of corn, let it dried good, and then shelled it, and went back and planted every little grain in the ground, if every one of those grains produced a stalk and it had two ears of corn on it, how many more grains of corn could that be? That's multiplying. But you see, I chose to eat that corn. So it, it, it didn't multiply. It helped me to multiply, you know. But you see, the seeds that we sow out there, every time that you share Jesus with somebody, that's like planting the seed. And you don't know how much it's going to produce. And it keeps on producing. And as they share Jesus with somebody else, and as they share Jesus with somebody else, and it's just a going on thing. That's how Christianity has spread around the world. That's called tangible growth. Souls being saved. 
people being baptized and becoming members of God's fellowship. And growth in the fellowship. Growth in our prayer lives. Growth in our reverence toward God. Growth in our giving. Growth in our harmony. Growth in our praise. Growth in our favors with God and souls being saved. That's what growing means. Acts 2, 41 through 47 says this. You'll find some of the things that I just mentioned there. They that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This is the early church. There was 120 people that made up that early church. And on the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with God's Spirit, and they spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem and began to share Jesus with other people that they came in contact with, the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Wow. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Miracles happening there. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Notice this, praising God and having favor with all the people. And what happens? And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. There's people being saved every day. Not just on Sunday. Not just on Wednesday. But every day. Every day is the Lord's day. Do you know that? That's what the Bible says. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Every day is His day. So I want to challenge us today. As a church. To go and to grow. That's the way God has always grown His church. is when His people get involved and get up off their seats and go out into our communities and begin to tell people about Jesus Christ. It works, people. It works. It's God's plan. It's not my plan. It's God's plan. We just need to plug in to God's plan. How long has it been since you visited a neighbor? How long has it been since you talked to members of your own family about the Lord? Well, I don't know how to lead a piece of person to the Lord. Well, we got plenty of tracts around here. You can sit down and read a tract to them. And it contains the Word of God. God will work through that. We need to be out here in our community 
visiting people, telling them about Jesus, winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ, going on trips to other places and sharing the gospel there. We call that mission trips. I know this church in times past has done that. And I want to remind us of something. We're not too old. I'll be 78 years old next month. And I still got as much desire to serve Jesus as I had the day I saved. When I get too old, I guess God will take me on home to be with Him. Moses was 80 years old when God told him to go lead his people out of Egypt. We need to continue to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And God will add to his church daily those that are being saved. You believe that? I said, do you believe that? Or there's one that did. <laughs> Listen, friends. This is the Word of God. And God will do what He said He'll do in His Word. He never breaks His promise. He always does that. You may be here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, we'd like to invite you to come today and let us share with you how you can have Jesus in your heart and in your life. How you can take Him home with you today. Or maybe you just need to come and draw a little closer to the Lord and say, Lord, I just want to admit I've been failing you. I've not been going. And I'm not growing. I've not been going. And our church is not growing. I've not been going but I want to go. Father, I just want to thank you today that you've given us the challenge to go and to grow. And Father, may you empower us with your Holy Spirit to go, and as we go, that we will see growth take place. We'll see growth take place in our individual lives as we draw closer to you. We'll see growth take place in our church's life as new people come to be a part of your family. Lord, I pray that you'll get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Now as your spirit moves among us today, may no one say no to you. May each of us say, yes, Lord. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.